welcome to Get Set to Thrive podcast with your hosts, me, Michelle Gunn, and Shreyas Kaushik. Shreyas, say hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the final episode of Get Set to Thrive podcast season two. And this time we are trying to keep it interesting by having Joe, who is a personality uh, type assessment coach. He uses Myers-Briggs and is also a technical recruiter. Welcome mm-hmm. to the show, Joe. Go ahead and introduce yourself, please. It is uh, my pleasure to be here, yes. Um, that, is, that is what I am, and um, Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is the tool I use to coach people, yes. Were you at all surprised that this is going to be the finale episode of season two? No, got to end on a high note. We shall will do. <laughs> uh, so before we proceed to understanding what Myers-Briggs is, just give us a brief introduction about uh, what are these personality type assessments and who do they help? Yeah, it's really just clarifying who you are to yourself. I, I know that Michelle is um, you know, a strengths coach, which is great. And I'm not someone that's like, oh no, you can't use that. It's only MBTI or it's, I'm not biased towards it in that kind of way. Anybody that is on that journey of personal development, they always, either they start with maybe like a BuzzFeed quiz and they're like, that's really interesting and insightful. And then they come into DISC or Enneagram or Strength Finders and they start to just kind of weave their way through personal development discovery and they're either in this career transition phase of their life where they're like maybe I'm not quite happy where I'm at maybe I should take an assessment see if I'm aligned correctly so that's where people funnel to me for MBTI I'm sure Michelle has the same thing where people are like I need to know you know what are my top five strengths and then align my career or my honestly, like my friends group or my relationships, like it helps with all those aspects of it. So I am someone that's just a little bit biased towards MBTI, though um, I think all of them are relevant. So from what I hear you say is personality type assessments help you understand yourself a bit better, understand where you're currently and probably where you'd want to go as well. And uh, as you said, there is no one right or wrong tool because it is in the end what resonates with you and what will give you the opportunity to grow and develop. And eventually uh, the end is to reach your goal. So whichever tool helps you, uh, it's just uh, normal for you to select the ones uh, you clearly mentioned. So yeah. Michelle, yeah, and I wanted to say something real quick. And when, when you're talking about personality type, you should you always have to talk about development. And I think the people will get in a, a result and then they'll be like, I'm this. And then there's no path to go after that. And I think that the bet, the better assessments say like, okay, now that you're a five wing six in Enneagram, what am I supposed to do with that information? Can I grow? Is there a stretch part where I need to, is there a blind spot that I need to work on? So um, that's where I think MBTI and strengths and stuff like that work because they give you a path to get better. Right. Uh, so you bring in these different assessment tools like Meyer Breaks, Desk, uh, and also Enneagram. So mm-hmm. what are the uh, key differences that you find between these tools? And could you just clarify why your references on Meyer Breaks? 
Yeah, so disc I'm not as familiar with. I know it has like people in the four quadrants, like there's like DI or DC. Um, not a hundred percent clear on what the difference is with MBTI, so I wouldn't be able to claim expertise there. Um, a lot of people say like Enneagram is more like your I've heard it described as Enneagram and MBTI work synergistically, where like MBTI is like your spinal cord that kind of is the framework on which you operate, but, but um, like Enneagram is essentially like your spiritual direction or something like that. So it's sort of like um, they can work together, but one Enneagram is more spiritual fulfillment because a lot of the churches like the, Ad, the Adventist church uses Enneagram a lot. That's where I came from. MBTI is not necessarily spiritual it's more cognitive like literally the way the way in the order that your brain thinks each type has a process they go through when they make decisions so enneagram doesn't touch on that which is fine because then you can use them together there's no overlap that gets in the way um so i hope that answers the question in a very roundabout way <laughs> sure does and you bring in two great points one is about spiritual aspect and uh, also about strengths finder. So Michelle, coming to you, uh, since you're also associated with uh, with the church and you're a strengths finder coach. So what uh, do you have to add to what uh, Joe just said? Actually, um, I am not an expert on all the other tools. Um, and again, I, I would like to reiterate what Joe said, having results to an assessment is that it's having results. It really doesn't help you unless you do something with and having a coach who is knowledgeable about how to productively aim those results is something everyone needs, no matter which assessment they take. So when taking an assessment, you want someone who is definitely certified with that assessment to help you. Now, um, Strengths Finders is now called Clifton Strengths because when Don Clifton died, Gallup wanted to honor him and all his work. So um, you can tell people who've worked in it a long time are stuck because once you call something something, <laughs> it's hard to get out of that. But um, I've been doing some research about Myers Briggs and Clifton Strengths and how they worked together. Absolutely, you can use assessments together. And a lot of times it's very helpful, especially depending on your client and what they're ready for, right? Because sometimes, like Joe said, there's differences in some of the assessments, but they can also complement each other. Um, what I like about Clifton Strengths is that it's very specific on your innate talents and it's more in how you do things and that you can productively aim what you already do right to make it better. Um, but we're not here to talk about that today, so I'm not going to go in great deal about the differences. So um, Catholic churches, especially, are starting to use Clifton Strengths more and more with their volunteers and with their staff, because when you're working, we'll just call it in your zone, right? You're more highly engaged. You're happier. Um, you give give more of yourself. And it strengthens you and and the organization you work for, whether it's a nonprofit, corporate, or just in your daily life, like Joe said. And to add to, because I, I did an um, interview a couple months back with someone who's MBTI certified and uh, um, strength certified or Gallup strength certified. And um, 
she was saying that the language why strengths is very um appealing is because the language that is used when you're getting your when you get your top five is very relatable with mbti sometimes the translation it's a new language like you have to learn what the terms mean before you can apply it so it takes it's there's a longer ramp with mbti but with strengths we all kind of understand what woo means we know what that trait or that personality type is or that that strength is mm -hmm. I, it, so it's i think it's universally accepted and understood rather than like what does extroverted thinking mean in the cognitive function stack? People are like, I, you know, I got to understand extroversion first. And then what mm -hmm. does that mean rather than having some trait that um, is universally understood with strengths? That's my, that's what she said. And I was like, okay, that mm -hmm. makes sense. I mean, you're certified in both. So that made sense to me. Yeah. I, I agree with that to an extent. Okay. Um, the, the terms are much more relatable because they're words that we generally hear every day. Mm -hmm. But one of my, I guess, one of the things that kind of get under my skin is the empathy because um, Gallup does use that. And the talents are actually talent themes. So it's a group of talents put together. It's not one, one mm -hmm. thing that makes that. So when people say, I'm, you can learn empathy, Mm, you can learn the skills of empathy. That's different than having the innate talent yes. of empathy. So there is some differences, but at a basic level, I agree with her on that. Okay. I have, I'm coaching somebody right now who you would say that empathy is one of their low, their inferior traits. And I basically said that you can learn to use it as a tool, but you're never going to be like a core empathetic person. Mm-hmm. So it ends up kind of being like a tool they can wield in the right situation, not to manipulate people, but just to like, to get more buy-in, I guess. Well, and there's also different ways that the talents manifest in people depending mm -hmm. on their other talents, right? Because we're not one thing and everything we have all works together differently, right? So in Clifton Strengths, if you have the same top five as somebody else, you're one in 33 million. There's just we're just such individuals um, because empathy, well, when I became certified, I had all my kids, my family take the, take the assessment. Right. And one of the, one of my best examples that I love to give, and she knows I give it is my youngest daughter. She had empathy in her top five. Um, I know her. She does not care about anybody else. I mean, really, she's <laughs> just like, I'm doing my own thing. I don't care what you do. And I said, Carrie, <laughs> how can you have empathy in your top five? I just I just cannot grasp it. And she said, Mom, I understand how people feel. I just don't care. OK, so there. So when people say they're high in empathy, mm, it depends. Okay. <laughs> mm, like does it that. mean the that. same thing that yeah that everything means and when you see more examples of people using their their talents then there's a greater understanding but mm -hmm. let's get back to you <laughs> <laughs> let's do it yeah this has been a, a great i would say uh, not a total comparison but it is uh, really uh, amazing to understand the different perspectives of how the talents might show up and how we can start relating to it, which again stresses the fact that, you know, you need to have a certified coach help you through the results because 
at the outset, the language might be simple, but the implications are so wide and it really changes from individual to individual. Mm -hmm. So that brings me to my next question. Mm -hmm. So where should people start if they want to know about uh, their personal type? I think they should start macro and work to micro. So um, because it can get complicated and the language, like I said, can get a little bit nuanced and you basically have to learn a new language. Like I don't have any problem with people going to a site like you know, 16 personalities or truity or something that's very high level. I would warn against 16 personalities because it's actually built on the five factor model. It's not, you know, it's not an actual MBTI assessment, but that I'd probably recommend truity for that just so you can get an overall thematic element of who you are. And um, you're the ultimate decider of your type. It's not like a coach tells you what you are. They, you work through it and then you say, well, I of all the 16 little snippets, this is the one that I fit best with. And then we just, mm -hmm. we agree with that. So read a very high level and then look at sites. Like I love personality database. It's pdb.com. It basically it's a user generated community of every single character from like nonfiction, historical times, book characters, and has basically typed everyone. Like you'd be just surprised. Like, and then you can say, well, that no wonder I like that character from my, that show because they're just like me or they're the shadow of me. So like, I can see why I'm antagonistic to them. So that's how you can figure it out to start if that's my type. And then like Michelle said, hire a coach, look at, look at some coaching programs to go deeper because um, most of what you find on the internet now is kind of like memes and overgeneralized and overly positive. I think that's one thing that assessments have now is instead of saying like, you're weak here, which I would say in a session, like you're, you're weak here. Let's just say that out loud so we can, we can hear it and we can work on it. They say things like, well, you know, you might have a little bit of a, uh, you need a, a challenge. It's an opportunity to grow, which is sort of like not the right language. Cause you know, Carl Jung originally the, who the Myers-Briggs is based off of was like, most people need to work on a lot of stuff in their life. Your personality can manifest in negative ways. So let's just be honest with people. So overly positive is, uh, can make people feel, um, they can make people feel like, um, there's nothing, there's excuses they can make for their type or that they use it as a way to not grow. They're like, Hey, that's just, that's just who I am. So deal with it, which is the way we're not supposed to work, use our personality. Absolutely. So one other point uh, that happens when you go through this, um, following the results on your own is there might be resistance because mm -hmm. you don't want to accept something as a challenge or a weakness that shows up and you might just have this uh, zillion of opinions which starts ruminating and in the end you just start uh, going deep down rather than making that progress and staying positive. So it is mm -hmm. really important once again to understand what is the outcome that you want. Is it really to understand your personal traits or is it to understand where are the opportunities for growth and development? Yes. And based on that, to select the right program, the right coach, because in the end, it's all about what you want to get out of a particular assessment, uh, which um, really makes sense when you told about uh, 
having to look at it from a macroscopic level because you want to put in everything and have a general outlook. And as you start working with your coach, you want to make that as specific as possible. And in yep. a sense, uh, have a funneled approach so that you start wide, you get an overall perspective and then dig deeper with the help of a coach, obviously, so that you stay on track and you don't uh, really beat around the bush or go around mm -hmm. in circles, which um, I think is uh, certainly worthy to be stressed at this point. Mm -hmm. um, Agreed, yeah. And we talked about all the positive things, how a coach can help, what these assessments can do. And I feel as a coach, we would have all experienced, experienced skepticism from our clients when we say, okay, I have this assessment, this is what it does, this is how it goes. So what do you think about uh, how would you deal with skepticism around these assessments? Um, I just had this recently, I said, trust, trust this process. I mean, you're going to, I can almost guarantee that you're going to discover stuff that you've never heard about yourself or you're gonna finally articulate a point that you didn't think basically people don't think there is a way to describe the way that they are. And then when you show that to them, they're like, wow, that's, I've never heard that articulated to myself. And like, then they just have like, it's like going from standard definition to 4k. They'd never thought they could see the world in this way. And that's how, that's why it changed my life. Like when I finally got contacts for the first time, I was like, I didn't know there was this clarity out here. So I tell people like, when you go through these five sessions with me, you will get clarity no matter what your type is. I think the skepticism really just comes from this whole idea of being put in a box. It's kind of an old reused meme about like, I don't want to be labeled and I, I want to be able to be whatever I want to be in life. Cause we're told like, you can be anything, just work hard, hard work. That's all it takes. Um, but then I go, okay, like you don't want to be labeled. That's fine. Um, so then like, can you describe yourself for me? And they'll be like, I'm analytical. I'm I'm reserved. I, um, you know, I'm a wallflower. I, I, I don't like to just speak before I've thought about it. Um, people would call me like a scientist type thing. And I go, okay, well, all those things, we can classify that as an INTP. Is that okay with you? And they're like, oh, okay, I guess that's fine. So like we label ourselves all the time, but all of a sudden if like uh, an assessment gives you a label, people are resistant, but we call that like, you know, Michelle's the funny guy or the class clown. Okay. I'm sure that's fine. Why can we label that? That's what we, we do every day. But if assessment does it, people are like, whoa, 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 I'm in a box now. And I, if I'm going to use the box analogy, I'll say that the box is like 500 square miles and it's going to take you your entire life to navigate it. And you're going to just have to go to all corners of the map to unlock that. So it's going to take you your whole life to look inside the box. So maybe we're okay with that. So Joe, I want to follow up because we haven't really talked about what Myers-Briggs is. And there may be people out there who sure. are listening who don't have a clue what the assessment is. Mm -hmm. So what exactly does it, does it measure? How does it measure it? And what are these, I'm going to call them labels that mm -hmm. we're talking about? Well, it essentially measures a couple things. Um, and for those unfamiliar, this is the, the Myers-Briggs type indicator was the 
um, assessment created by Catherine Isabel Myers back in the 1940s, but it came from the work of the Swiss psychologist Carl Jung um, in his clinical practice. He was dealing with people on all extremes of the emotional and psychiatric spectrum. So he was dealing with a lot of like personality disorder patients. So he really saw the spectrum of personality type over his clinical work. And he tried to account for the ways that um, different energies and patterns that kept repeating themselves. Um, and his theories were basically very esoteric at the time. You couldn't quantify them. So this mother-daughter uh, pair said, oh, I want to make an assessment that we can use across the spectrum of people, all race, colors, creeds, intelligence levels. So there's no bias there. And I want to, we want to be able to assess people based on things like whether they're introverted or extroverted, like where do they get their energy from? Do they get energy from resting and being by themselves and internal thought, or do they get it from being around people and engaging the, the outer world? Then they said, well, we need to also classify ways how people take in information. Are they in, do they take in things intuitively where they're looking for themes and patterns behind, you know, behind like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain? Like what's really going on here? Or do they like to look at things in a very concrete manner? All the five senses, details, facts, what's tangible. And then they have to make decisions. So we have to classify how people make decisions. Are they subjective decision makers? Like where they look at each, each person or how it's gonna impact people, which would be your feeling types or your thinking types, which is as objective as possible, removing emotions from the situation. And then the J and P, which is like the most interesting one is judging versus perceiving, which is essentially um, how we orient ourselves to the world. So J's typically are scheduled details, calendars. Um, when is it gonna happen? How efficient is it? What's the ROI? Um, and then the P types are the ones that are um, go with the flow, able to shift as needed, always in the process of gathering more information. Don't want to be held to arbitrary deadlines because that's we could have an inferior result if we just force ourselves into it. So essentially, it's a way of categorizing the way we orient ourselves to the world, how we look at things, and then how we make decisions. Awesome. That is a great I hope that description. Was, there's so many ways to describe it. I just like that's as most concise as I can get. It does make sense for people to just get the basics right and then they can go forward and research mm -hmm. it if it interests them. Uh, before we end, I'm curious to understand how the MBTI and your role as a technical recruiter, does it have any relation between the two? Do you use it at all uh, when you're recruiting? It did. So um, I was, I did do two years of technical recruiting and um, that's like basically a year into recruiting I started to get into MB MBTI I kept taking the assessment getting the same result INTJ over and over and it just so happened that I got really obsessed with it and I was reading all the literature like you know for those if you can see me like on the, the all the books behind me are all MBTI books and I started going like I wonder if career path and personality type are aligned. And of course there's 10 articles about that, just about like, you know, every single assessment has a career and MBTI, career and DISC. Um, and then 
I started thinking, how can I apply it? Which would be, I do a lot of interview prep. Um, people, part of getting a candidate hired is setting them up for success with the, with the client. Hey, they're going to want you to hear this. They're going to want to hear this. They're going to want you to avoid hearing this. But I said, some people get in the way of themselves by not understanding the way they come across or the way that they have self-awareness in interviews. The, the classic example I've always used is like, some people think that they've killed the interview because everyone was laughing and it was just like we were jiving and it turns out they it was all nervous laughter and it, it was very uncomfortable but you the perception from yourself was that oh man they loved me and um this recurring theme of like people not getting jobs but getting a lot of interviews and then they get to the final interview and they blow it and it's like well maybe there's a personality thing that you're not aware of so then i was like we can merge these together we can interview prep personality speaking style how you come across, we can fix that. And um, I think there's a little bit you can do in the resume. Like I don't have like an ENFP resume I could do for somebody, but I think that like in a LinkedIn profile or an about section, we could emphasize your personality traits so that people understand what they're getting if they were to recruit you or hire you. Absolutely. So it all uh, comes down to being aware Mm -hmm. of uh, what is holding you back and also being aware of what your strengths are uh, in the case of an interview it is about it might be speaking skills it might be how you'd handle the pressure or how mm -hmm. you might perform over repeated rounds of interviews so it makes sense uh, that people can have this awareness through uh, the assessment personality assessments like MBTI and certainly go uh, and tell that um, so, Michelle, we have almost reached the end, and this is our finale episode. So, any thoughts that you'd like to share before we say goodbye to our audience? No, I think this has been very valuable, and I know Joe has a lot more information to share. So, um, Joe, where can people find you? Well, I pretty much reside on LinkedIn. I feel like that's where the, the, my audience is. Um, so, we can, you can post that in the, the comments or in the link, but yeah, LinkedIn is where like my main audience is randomly started to get more people on my YouTube channel. I do a lot of interviews and I just kind of use YouTube as a repository to put my interviews, but then you get some organic subscribers and that's, that's been pretty cool as well. Um, and then I have a WordPress blog that's Joe recruiter and I can, I can send you the link there, but, um, LinkedIn is really where it's at. And I, I don't like to be hidden behind too many walls of like, filling out forms or like, I just want people to just directly, if you have a question, like I don't want to be unreachable. So that's why LinkedIn is perfect. Maybe make sure to drop the link uh, to Joe's profile in mm -hmm. the description. Please do reach out, connect with him. And if we can help you in any way possible, Joe is more than welcome to receive your requests. Joe, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing about uh, the various personality assessments, your thoughts on how it can be used, and obviously about uh, having this great discussion with us. It's a pleasure to have hosted you on our finale episode. Awesome. I hope it was a great uh, finale episode for you guys. Lots of great information. Thank you so much, everyone. And don't forget to get set to thrive.
we will be reaching out with news of season three very soon. So please subscribe to our uh, business page on LinkedIn and also on Spotify to stay updated on the latest news. Thank you, stay safe and take care.